Welcome to Connect Church. We're a new church in the East Windsor Heightstown area, and we're a church that is looking to connect to Jesus and community. We're so glad you've joined us. pastors here at Connect Church and just want to thank you for taking a few moments to watch this video or maybe you're listening to the audio version via our podcast. Thank you for taking time out of your schedule uh, for that. Our goal in these sessions is to provide some theological and background uh, doctrinal information for what we believe as disciples of Jesus and why we believe it. And uh, if you're listening to this, it's quite possible you're Part of a larger program uh, that's kicking off here this fall in our church called the Disciple Leader Pipeline. And the pipeline has, has three components to it, our heart, our hands, and our head. I'll just give you a quick rundown on each before we jump into our topic for today. Our heart is, our, is really our desire to see each of us grow as a disciple of Jesus and also as a leader. Discipleship is a lifelong process in our life. We never get finished with it, uh, but it's something that we kind of continually grow in. Uh, we often use the language of moving from unbelief to belief. And you might say, well, I, I already believe in Jesus. That's great. Um, but there's still areas of unbelief in our life where we maybe know what the Word of God says, know how God's calling us to live, but we're not there yet. We're not living that out. And so that's a gap of unbelief. So we're looking to grow in that way. And we believe that as we abide in Jesus, remain in Christ, immerse ourselves in Him, uh, that our heart will change. And as our heart changes, that gap will begin to shrink as we become more of who Jesus has called us to be. And so in our once a month gather gatherings for the discipleship pipeline, uh, we will spend some time abiding in Jesus and talking in groups, um, really trying to touch our heart uh, to get to a point where, where we can grow more in Christ. Uh, the next aspect is our hands. Uh, we want to get practical. Uh, we want to be able to put some habits maybe into place in our life. This could be like learning how to study the Bible for ourselves or, or other per people sharing wisdom specific to situations that we're going through. And that also uh, will take place in uh, our monthly gatherings in that. And then the last component is our head. That's what we're here for today. Uh, we believe it's important to know why we believe and what we believe. But again, this is not just about head knowledge so that you can uh, you know, regurgitate this information in some place or on a test or, or something like that. Um, but it's really to prepare ourselves. Maybe what we're going to share in some of these topics, you might say, I knew that already. Hopefully it'll be a good refresher and reminder to you. Uh, if you don't know it, that's okay too. That's why we're here, uh, to learn and to grow together. And our hope is, and this is what we're praying, that as... Um, as we're learning these things, that God would intentionally put people in our life that we would be able to share them with, that we'd be able to help other people become disciples. We believe God has called everyone uh, to making disciples. And so as we talk today about what is the gospel, our prayer is that this week, God will put people in our lives to share the gospel with. And so just to recap, heart, to move from unbelief to belief, hands, how we live it out daily, and head to know why we believe what we believe. All this so that we can make disciples of Jesus in our homes, in our workplaces, in our schools, in our neighborhoods, and wherever we end up. And so again, this is our monthly video. If you want to be part of the pipeline component where we'll meet monthly on that, feel free to reach out to us. We'd love to uh, connect with you on that. But let's jump in. What is the gospel? A couple things for us to take away today. First, Everyone believes in a gospel. You may have heard the phrase before uh, where someone might say, take that as gospel or don't take that as gospel. And usually that phrase is used to indicate something we can be sure of, where we could kind of put our hope, something we can trust as genuine and true. 
Uh, for example, I often joke with my wife about who she believes over me. I could say something about maybe with parenting our kids and say, why don't we try this? And she'll kind of push my idea to the side. And I kid you not, probably like two weeks later, she'll come back and say, hey, so-and-so said we should do this. I'm like, that's exactly what I said two weeks ago. But because someone else said it, she's like, hey, we have to do it now, right? And so she takes their word as gospel over, over mine. Uh, but the reality is we have different people in our life or different people uh, that we trust. We, you know, when we talk about gospel from a biblical perspective, um, that word could kind of be translated as, as good news, right? Uh, of where, where we see uh, goodness in, in, in our life. And so everyone believes the gospel. Everyone has good news that they believe in, a place where they look for hope, a place where they put their trust, where they look for meaning and fulfillment and identity and all those things. And it's the reality is all of us are putting our hope in some type of gospel. Here are some examples. I know I could identify uh, with these and perhaps you could find yourself there as, as well. We can easily put our hope uh, maybe in the size of our home or the name on the back of our car or any other possession that we might have. And we can see those things as defining markers of success. And when we do that, it becomes our gospel. It becomes what we believe gives us hope, what gives us truth, what gives us meaning. And so we leverage our behavior to get those things. And essentially, we worship those things. Uh, we can also put our hope in relationships, thinking if I just have this kind of relationship or if my relationship was just like that or if this relationship was healthy in this way, I will be fulfilled. I will be complete. It becomes our gospel, our good news. And so we chase after it. We could put our hope in success. Maybe it's getting a certain grade point average this semester in college or, or, or getting a certain job or making a certain uh, salary. And we see that as, okay, I get that success, I'm good, and that becomes our marker of the gospel. It becomes our good news. We do all we can to get it. One more example for us. We could put our hope in becoming a good person, and we see how that might be celebrated in our culture and, and, and how it makes us feel good. And so we can become that in our gospel, and we chase that as our good news. And we could probably put dozens of more things on this list. And if we look at it, those are not bad things. Like being a good person is a great thing, right? Having a job is a great thing. Getting good, great, all that is, is good stuff. Um, but yet, those things are powerless to truly fulfill us, to truly save us, to truly put our hope in those things. And sometimes we falsely believe and each of us can fill in this blank. If I have fill in the blank, whatever it may be for you today. And we think that that thing brings salvation. Everyone believes a gospel. The second thing we need to know today is this. Everyone needs the one true gospel. Listen to Ecclesiastes chapter three, verse 11. It says, he has made everything beautiful in its time. He has also set eternity in the human heart. God has created everyone with a desire for him. He's built it into us, right? And so mankind has wrestled with this question for all of its existence. Even those who perhaps do not believe in God, they wrestle with that question because it's built, is there a God, right? The fact that they're wrestling with it, it shows that eternity is built into their heart. And so everyone needs the one true gospel. And the reason I think we, we wrestle with this is because deep down, we know all those other gospels don't work. Those other things that we think really are good news, those things that we think will give us hope and meaning and fulfillment and purpose, we know they don't work. Maybe we've achieved some of those things in our life and we realize we're just as empty with them as we were without them. There has to be something more. And so God has actually built into our hearts the desire for something more, for someone greater, pointing us to a true gospel, something that would be real good news. And so what is the true gospel? To help us process this, we're going to use an acronym, G-O-S-P-E-L. Uh, I think Dare to Share might have been the first uh, organization that I saw had uh, put this out. Um, and so I want to give them credit in case they watch this video. Shout out to Dare to Share. Uh, 
but uh, this will kind of hopefully help us remember the gospel. Uh, and so let's jump into it. Uh, G is this, God created us to be with him. And as we walk through these, we'll kind of assign sections of scripture. So this could really be Genesis 1 and probably Genesis 2 as well. In Genesis 1, we see that, that God has created us uh, to be with him. He's created the whole world. He's created everything in it and for a purpose. And that purpose is for us to be in relationship with him. Listen to Genesis chapter 1, verse 27. It says, so God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. And so the image of God is unique to humans. It, it's what gives us value. We'll talk about that maybe another time. It's a great topic. Um, but we've been created for a purpose. And if you ever had a hand in creating something, you know you created for a purpose. Recently, I've been getting a little bit into woodworking and, and kind of taking up a few projects. And this fall, I have a couple things that I want to build that I think will be useful for me. But I'm doing it all with a purpose in mind. Some of it's for decoration. Some of it is, is for practical uses uh, within my home or whatever the case may be. And so same way, we have been created for a purpose. And that purpose is to be with God. So gee, God created us to be with him. Uh, moving on in our acronym to O, it would be our sins separate us from God. This would be Genesis chapter 3. I would encourage you to read it later. It kind of details the fall of mankind, uh, how Adam and Eve rebel against God. The relationship is broken. And each of us could identify with this, right? We've had people that have hurt us and the relationship has become broken because of that. Um, here's an example maybe to think about. I was speaking to a friend not too long ago about parenting. And I, I apologize. All my illustrations seem to be about parenting lately. That's just a season of life that I'm in. Uh, but I was speaking to him and I said to him, hey, give me some advice. You know, how, how do you how do you correct your children when, when, when and how do you learn to do that and, and do it in a biblical way? And uh, we were talking about it. And he said to me, he said, you know, Dave, I, I don't deal with the behavior first. And that kind of stuff felt backwards to me. Like, no, the behavior is the issue. Like, that's what we got to deal with. He says, no, I deal with the broken relationship first. And so I tell him, hey, when you did this, you hurt daddy. When you did this, this just hurt our relationship. This this made sure that you didn't trust me or whatever the case may be. And really, that's a picture of, of, of our relationship with God. It's broken, right? Our sin has broken this relationship. We have hurt God uh, by our rebellion against him. And the reality, it wasn't just Adam and Eve who rebelled. It, it's, it's all of us. Maybe if we're looking for a definition of sin, and there's probably many definitions we can use, but one I like because it kind of gives a visual uh, demonstration is the idea to miss the mark. I remember in high school, uh, we would get to do archery. They would set up the target, and we'd take out the bow and arrow, and we'd kind of have a competition to see who could hit it, hit it the closest. But the reality is the bullseye is the mark. Everything else is really a miss. Either you hit the mark or you didn't. And so sin is whenever we don't hit God's bullseye, whenever we miss how God has called us to live. And the reality is God's giving us the best way to live. And so we've all sinned. We've all done wrong. We've all missed the mark. Our relationship is broken. And so, oh, our sin has separated us from God. Let's keep moving in our acronym to S. S is uh, sin cannot be removed by good deeds. And this would really encompass the rest of the Old Testament from Genesis 4 to Malachi 4. Um, it's a picture of these people in their brokenness trying to overcome that uh, in, in different ways that they think they can. Are there other themes in the Old Testament? Of course. Uh, but this is just a major part of it, them trying to live by their own goodness, them trying to, to find that good news any way they can, trying to atone on their own. If we return to our parenting example, 
Uh, maybe you've had this happen if you're a parent or if you've ever had to uh, work with a child before that when you, uh, you know, you maybe correct them or tell them that, that they did something wrong, they often try to fix it on their own first because maybe they're afraid the toy's going to get taken away or there might be some other, some other consequence that's coming and they say, I'll never do it again. I promise I'm going to listen. We know that that's not true, right? It's not happening. And, and that could be us sometimes. Like, okay, I know I sinned. I know I messed up, but I will fix this. I, I will do more good than bad. I will help out. I will be a good person. But the reality is we know that that won't happen. And there's several issues with that way of thinking. First of all, how much good is necessary to overcome one sin? Do I have to do two good things to overcome one? You know, what's the measuring mark for that? And secondly, do we even do the right things with the wrong motives? We can think about wanting to help somebody else. And there can be probably dozens of motivations for that. Some good, some negative. Think about it for a moment. I could want to help somebody because maybe I think they'll then help me in return later on. Or I could want to help somebody because I know that other people will applaud me uh, for doing that or celebrate me for doing that. And of course, there's good motivations for that as well. But sometimes the good things we do are with faulty and wrong motivations. And so our sin cannot be removed by good deeds. But yet our lives are often a picture of us trying to do that. And so if we kind of track through what we'd be saying here, God's created us to be with him. Our sin's in the way. The relationship is broken. And we can't fix it. And so how do we fix this? And that leads us to letter P of our acronym, paying the price for sin. Jesus died and rose again. And for the portion of scripture that will dedicate this, we could kind of look at really all the gospels, but Matthew through Luke, the life of Jesus. Who is Jesus? Jesus is God. We'll cover the Trinity and how that kind of fleshes out in a future one of, of these sessions. But Jesus is how God has come to this earth to step into this world of sin and Jesus did this both as fully man, fully God. Again, a topic for another day. Uh, but he stepped into this world and he did not sin. Instead, he made the atonement. He realized that we were powerless to fix this broken relationship. And he said, I will do it. How did Jesus do this? Well, we'll talk about that just uh, in a moment. But I'll return to our parenting example uh, one more time. My friend, when he gave me the parenting advice, you know how he said, I will address the broken relationship before I address the behavior and of course he does address the behavior later on he said listen he said he would tell his kids i'm going to fix this dad is going to forgive you dad is going to repair the relationship and that's what god has done for us you know because god is pure and holy and good he can't let sin go unpunished so his way of fixing the relationship can't be i'll pretend it didn't happen we'll sweep sin underneath the rug we'll just kind of put it out of our mind that, that's not the way in fact the scriptures say that the wages of sin is death sin sin demands payment but God made that payment through Jesus. He stepped into this world, lived a sinless life, and through his death and resurrection on the cross, the punishment that we were supposed to get was put instead on Jesus. And maybe in some small scale, we can see this in this world. Maybe uh, maybe you've taken the heat for somebody in a situation, you know, a sibling or a coworker, uh, or maybe you were out to eat and you paid the bill for somebody else. You kind of kind of took what they owed and you paid what they owed. And, and that's a small picture of what Jesus did. But uh, excuse me, that's a small picture of that in our world. But think about the picture of what Jesus has done. He took my punishment. He took the world's punishment. Think of the weightiness of that. Listen to Romans chapter five. It says, you see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were a mess, Jesus died to redeem us, paying a price we could never pay, redeeming us whenever we can be, when we could not redeem ourselves to restore 
the broken relationships. And so P, paying the price for sin, Jesus died and rose again. That leads us to E, everyone who trusts in him alone has eternal life. And the gospel of John really makes this crystal clear. One verse from John that we'll look at, John 14, 6 says this, Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes through the Father except through me. Jesus is the only way. It's the only way to deal with this broken relationship. This is not, well, some people will deal through it through Jesus. Some people will deal through it through good works. Some people will deal through it through another way. No, it's just through Jesus. There's no other way. And we talked before about how we search for that good news in our life. When we surrender to Jesus in this way and we realize he's the only way, that's when we're really going to find good news. That's where we're really going to find meaning and fulfillment and purpose in our life. And so everyone who trusts him alone has eternal life, which takes us to the last letter of our acronym, L. Uh, life with Jesus is both now and last forever. And this is really a picture of the rest of the New Testament from Acts to Revelation. It reminds us what life with Jesus will look like. Yes, someday in heaven, when the Lord returns or, or, or when we die and we go to heaven, all that is true and that's important. But yet the day of right now, the gospel affects us. Jesus is calling us to new life with him now, life to the full. Life his way is really the best way. And we'll talk about that more in just a moment, but let's review the acronym very quickly. G, God created us to be with him. O, our sins separate us from God. S, sin cannot be removed by good deeds. P, paying the price for sin, Jesus died and rose again. E, everyone who trusts in him alone has eternal life. And L, life with Jesus starts now and lasts forever. Now, if you were, remember at the beginning of the video today, we're like, hey, we hope that you'll be able to share this with someone else. What I just shared with you is a guide. It's not a script. I would not encourage you that if, as God puts people in your life this week, you say, hold on, uh, G-O-S. Like, I, I don't encourage that. Uh, but I think that this just kind of gives us a framework. And so it gives us a way to process it, that we become so familiar with it, that we can share it in a conversational tone, relying on the Holy Spirit for how to share, what to say. Um, and, and I believe the Holy Spirit will empower us to do those things. In fact, that's what the Bible tells us is the role of the Holy Spirit. And so if you have opportunity to share this week, go for it. Don't be afraid. Don't worry. I might not get it perfectly right. God will use you in that. But let's kind of close this session today with how do we respond to all this in the gospel, right? We know everyone believes in a gospel, uh, but everyone needs the one true gospel. We know what that gospel is. How do we respond? Humility. We humble ourselves. The scripture says this, everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. It takes humility to say, I don't got this. I can't fix this relationship on my own. And then as we humble ourselves, we put our faith in what Christ has done, not what we can do. Listen to Ephesians chapter 2, 8 to 9. It says, For as by grace you've been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It's the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. We're saved by faith. We can't earn it. I, I love this. As someone once said that the only thing we add to salvation is our sin. We had no hand in the redemption. It was all Jesus. And that's a gift of grace. Ephesians mentioned this word grace. Grace is getting what we don't deserve. We deserve the punishment of sin. We deserve death. Instead, Jesus did that. That's the grace. And in exchange, we get Jesus' righteousness. We'll talk about that more in just a moment. And so how do we respond? We say, Lord, there's nothing I can do to earn this. I receive this gift that you've given me. I'll put my faith and my trust in Jesus' death and resurrection. The challenge for us is that we often want to make it Jesus plus. The book of Galatians really details it. Details us. The Galatian church, for them, it was struggling Jesus plus circumcision. There were some people in that church that said, hey, 
if you want to be saved, yes, put your faith in Jesus, but you also have this outward work of needing to be circumcised. Now, for us today, that's probably not the gospel that you're hearing people preach Jesus plus circumcision, but sometimes it can be Jesus plus the right behavior. Yes, it's Jesus, but you better live right. Jesus, but you better follow these rules. And hear me today. Is right behavior important? Yes. My friend with the parenting, right? He would address the behavior. God will address behavior in our life. Yes, that's important. But the question is the motivation. Is it, yeah, I got Jesus, but I'm going to be, I'm going to be righteous. I'm going to do the right thing. I'm going to have that behavior. Or is it, hey, it's Jesus. And to honor Jesus, I want to live right. To honor Jesus, I want to live the way God has called me to live. And so salvation is never Jesus plus. Listen to what Paul said to that Galatian church in Galatians 3. He said, you foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Before your very eyes, Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed as crucified. I would like to learn just one thing from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by believing what you heard? Are you so foolish? And catch this. After beginning by means of the Spirit, are you now trying to finish by means of the flesh? We often do the same thing. We start by faith. The Spirit works in our heart. We put our faith and we receive God's grace. But then we revert to trying to earn it. And that leads us to this question. How do we continually walk by faith in the gospel? How do we not revert to trying to earn it? Um, and, you know, the reality is we don't go past the gospel. Uh, some listening here today, maybe you're saying, hey, I've, I've heard the gospel since I was a little kid. Others, maybe it's relatively new to you. Uh, but there becomes a point where maybe it can become mundane to us. The challenge is we need to continuously see Jesus and the gospel as the most beautiful thing in our lives. We are actually continually in need of salvation. I tend to think of salvation in terms of past, present, and future. Past, there was a moment where I put my faith in Jesus. I was saved at that moment. I, I, I had eternal life at that moment. Present, I am in the process of still being saved. The scriptures actually say work out your salvation. It doesn't mean in terms of works and doing things to earn salvation, but that we are in this process of becoming holy. Um, the scriptures sometimes we use a word called sanctification with that. You may remember the L of our acronym, life with Jesus is both now and in eternity. And so the present aspect of salvation is Jesus forming me to be more like him. It's Jesus changing my behavior. It's Jesus still doing the work. More on that in a minute. Then we talk about the future aspect. The future aspect will that day will come when we will be in eternity with Jesus and we will not struggle with sin anymore. We will be fully saved, be with God forever. So walking in the gospel is past, present, and future. And I mentioned about this aspect of sanctification. Kind of want to give a little, little side road on that for just a moment today, and then we'll close. Um, positional sanctification and progressive sanctification. Maybe you've heard those terms before. Maybe they're new to you. Positional sanctification refers to my adoption as a child of God. It's what we talk about, that moment of past salvation, that when we put our trust in Jesus, we are saved at that moment. His righteousness is placed upon me at that moment. Jesus takes my sin. I get his righteousness, that work of grace. Listen to 2 Corinthians 5. It says, God made him, referring to Jesus, who had no sin, to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. And so if you have placed your trust in Jesus and what he did in his death and resurrection, you are righteous because you have Jesus' righteousness on you. Not righteousness from our own hands or our own deeds, but we have Jesus' righteousness. And so that's positional sanctification. Then we have what we would call progressive sanctification. 
This is what we were talking about, that present tense of salvation. It's the process of Christ forming me who he's already declared me to be. Jesus has declared me to be righteous because I've trusted in him. But yet as I look at my life, I still see a lot of unrighteousness. I see areas that need work. That's how I still need the gospel to speak to me every day. Here's an example to help us uh, with this, uh, a marriage example. When I said I do to my wife, Megan, we were married, positional. We had the standing. It was, you know, in the eyes of the law, whatever, all, all those kind of things. I'm her husband. She's, she's my wife. But yet we're still in the process of growing together as married couple. We're learning to love each other more. You would think that the marriage day, that's the pinnacle, right? We get married, it's the height of the love, but no, we're learning that even more. And so, yes, we were married at that moment, but we're still growing in our marriage, right? And, and so when we think about this, we've accepted Christ's work in the past, positional standing, that's great. We needed God's grace for that. But God's grace doesn't end there. God's grace is still needed now to continue to grow. The growth in our life will only come by God's grace. We cannot revert to works. We're going to talk more about this in our, in our next session, but let me share a couple scriptures with us. Titus 2, 11 to 12. It says, For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. It, referring to the grace, teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. It's God's grace that will enable us to say no to sin. And so all disciples of Jesus need this constantly, regardless of how long we've been in Christ. This doesn't mean we don't do practical things and position ourselves. Of course, we do that. But we need God's grace to continually walk in the gospel. Again, we'll talk more about this in the next session. Romans 1, uh, 16, our last verse for today says this. It says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew, then to the Gentile. The gospel is power. Right? It's God's power. It brings salvation, past, present, and future. And so again, we'll talk more about that in our next session. I think we've covered a lot here. I know it's a lot to digest. Um, maybe it's something you want to listen to a, a second time. If you're watching on video, maybe you want to listen to the podcast uh, throughout this week. When we get together for our next Pipeline session, we'll have a little bit of discussion uh, on this further and how we can apply it even more. Um, I hope it's been helpful to you. You know, we want to kind of see uh, who's been watching. So every time we're going to give you a random code word uh, that we're going to ask you to put down uh, when we meet together. And then when we do that, we'll actually, if you have the code word correct, we'll uh, give you, enter you into a drawing uh, to receive a, a gift card. And so code word this time is pumpkin. So we'll see if you remember that the next time we come together. But as we close, let's remember that the gospel really is good news. You know, in, in the older days and even in somewhat in the Bible times, a victorious general was known to proclaim good news. The general would go out to battle, and when they won the battle, they would send someone back to bring this news. And, and they would go back often with a banner waving it and tell the king and the people, we won. And by hearing the good news, the victory of the general became the victory of the people, even though the people did not pick up a sword, right? And so if we think about this in terms of the gospel, Jesus' death his resurrection, his victory, his righteousness has become ours, even though we didn't do anything in the process. That is good news. That's what we're putting our hope in, and that's what we want to share with other people. And so our prayer is that Jesus would be who we see as most beautiful in our lives. I shared the story with you that I've heard someone else share before, but I think it's worth uh, mentioning at this time. Uh, a father took his son uh, to Toys R Us when Toys R Us still existed, although here it's coming back. Uh, but he took his son to Toys R Us and his son would find something, you know, bright and shiny and gravitate towards it and grab it. And 
uh, you know, probably like ten dollars. And the father would say, you know, I I know that 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 piece of material was junk. It was going to break by the time we got in the car. It probably cost a penny to make it. And he said, you know, I could tell my son, hey, let go of that thing. You don't want that. That's garbage. That's junk. And he said, you know, what would happen? My son would just grab it a little tighter. He said, so instead what I'd do is I'd walk around the store and find something that actually had value. And I'd bring it to him and say, do you see this? And when he saw the beauty of that, he just kind of let go of the junk. And so as we think about what we've heard today, we have seen a picture of something that has far more value. When we hear this true good news of Jesus, we can look at all the other things that we think are gospel and just say, junk. We don't even have to worry about it. And so I would encourage us today, let's put our full hope in Jesus. Let me pray for us. Jesus, we just thank you. You're so good that you really gave us good news, Lord. Lord, let us always see this as most beautiful in our life. And Lord, as we start this journey uh, through this pipeline or through other contexts, Lord, you know what we need. Lord, I pray that you would encourage us, you would strengthen us by your grace, you would change us. And Lord, we ask that you would put people on our path that we can do this with as well. Because this is what you've called us to do, to make disciples. And so send your Holy Spirit to empower us and help us. We thank you for this, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for taking the time to watch this. Thank you for joining us today. We hope this encourages you to take your next steps in your faith journey with God. You can check us out more on connectchurchnj.com. Have a great day.